I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to The Melancholy Condition. Welcome to Season 2. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. up a little bit of water it just had sorry about that welcome back to another episode of uh, the melancholy condition and i am with samuel knickerbocker right now samuel go ahead and introduce yourself and do you prefer samuel or sam uh i can i'm good with whatever but let's use sam because that's pretty much where most of my branding's at so let's all right stick with sam awesome awesome cool so go ahead and uh introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us what you're about sam yeah awesome so thank you so much for inviting me on darius this is an absolute pleasure um, I know it takes a lot to put on a podcast as I have one on my own, um, fuel your legacy. And so I, I respect you deeply for, for reaching <laughs> out and, and asking to have me on. But uh, um, yeah, so I actually just love helping people build legacies. A little bit about my childhood, um, seventh of 11 kids, grew up out in Utah, and we basically were raised in poverty, didn't have a lot of money. My parents, they both were Pizza Hut drivers. Um, so with 11 kids and living off tips, uh, we ate a lot of pizza. Uh, old pizza that they didn't get to deliver. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it, it was a good time though. And I, I love all my family members. Yeah, no, definitely. But just great. Basically my parents, they did the best they could, but they looked for ways often to find like a shortcut to financial success. Yeah. Never really found it. Kept working odd jobs. By the time I was 18, I had determined, you know, I can go earn money. So I decided to go do some summer sales. Actually ended up earning half of my dad's annual income. Uh, in three months but then because I had no solid financial foundation I didn't know what I was doing how to use money Um, I spent it all before I got paid did it again the next year thinking oh if I just earn more money then that'll solve everything it didn't still was broke by the end of the year I was like this is there's got to be something deeper Um, then I actually got into neuropsych because I wanted to to learn how to heal kind of my abusive and um, troubled past as a child okay. and found that a lot of the, a lot of the issues that you see in the, the so- society issues like di- domestic violence, divorce, anxiety, depression, um, a lot of these things, they're basically in the research, the only thing that's unifying them is their socioeconomic status of these families. And I thought, you okay. know, I don't want to go to years of schooling trying to uh, fix a problem that should never have been broken into finance. Um, I love finance now, and uh, I focus now primarily on helping people 
um, gain the financial confidence so that they can go build a meaningful legacy, what they feel is important to them. Um, that it all starts with a solid foundation. And um, as any, anybody who's ever tried to do anything knows, um, it requires money. It's not the end goal, but without money, life's pretty difficult. So that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. So what kind of made you want to, I mean, obviously, you know, a little bit of your backstory, I assume dives into this, but what made you like personally reflecting wise made you want to dive into what you're doing? This like um, coaching, I guess you could call it, right? Yeah. Great, great question. So um, actually an experience from my childhood, uh, if you want to watch kind of a reenactment of this, there's a video on my uh, samnickerbacher.com of this, of this story, me telling it and got some actors, but Basically, I was very young. Um, I didn't feel like anybody cared about me. I was a seventh child, so basically you're forgotten about or the older siblings are taking care of you. Your parents aren't really involved in your life much. And I just didn't really feel loved at all as a child. And then when I was about five or six, I was driving in the truck with my grandpa. We had taken a load to the dump. We're on our way back, and it was just him and I. He reached over, turned down the radio, put his hand on my knee, and said, you know, Sam, you have, a, you have a voice that's super pleasant to listen to, um, like a leader. I mean, you could, you could lead people to greatness with your voice, maybe even be on the radio someday. And then he just turned the radio back up, and we went on our way. And that was really the first time that I personally felt somebody loved me, felt like somebody oh, believed wow. in me. And, and right then, that's where my identity became one of uh, what I believe truth. And, hey, this is my purpose in life, was to lead people with my voice. Yeah. I've always looked for ways to do that. I've, I've gotten into different companies and different leadership roles with that as kind of my end goal. Um, but I didn't know how it was going to come to fruition. Uh, ironically, podcasts are much like the radio, but I, you can get paid a lot better with a podcast than you yeah. do on radio. So that's so, more free-flowing, I'd like to say, as well. Like, there's not that many restrictions on, you know, what you yeah. can talk about and, you know, a little, uh-huh. bit, little bit more, less restrictions, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I do kind of, I guess I am on, um, but I, I just love leading people. I love helping people uh, live their legacy, but really I want to help people. I want to continue my grandpa's legacy for me. My grandpa's legacy is, and always will be believing in people. Um, even when there was no financial benefit, he would spend his whole life as a math teacher to uh, middle school kids, you know, like he, he just, spent his life in the service of instilling belief in others and that's his legacy and if i can continue his legacy and maybe add a little bit of my own flair to it then i will be absolutely thrilled of just being able to see that light click when somebody really understands wow i have value i have significance i have importance and my story can bless the life of somebody else when that penny drops i don't know that there's any sweeter moment in my life than watching that happen and so i like to help people have their penny drop that's interesting that's interesting so i'm looking at your website right now um and there's a lot of testimonials man you have a lot of people that you've worked with and i assume this is only like a handful right yeah for sure yeah so (laughs) can get everybody on there you know um what is it that you primarily focus on is it wealth transformation is it life transformation yeah, so good great question for me i primarily focus on wealth transformation your relationship with money um, I, I originally got into the financial sector uh, thinking that it was going to be about money, thinking it was going to be about the, uh, the ones and zeros and making sure that the math worked out and everything. But what I found rather quickly um, was 
that most people, they don't struggle with the, the number side of money. They struggle with the emotional connection and relationship with money. And they got that relationship in, in most cases from their parents, from their childhood. And so what, what you really have to do to help somebody gain a solid foundation is you have to go help them reprogram their mind and how they think, how they feel, how they experience money in any form, realm, anything like that. We've got to make sure that they're, they're having a, a healthy, loving relationship with it rather than one of a dysfunctional relationship. They've broken up many times. They, they kind of avoid each other. They aren't talking, you know. That's how most people treat money. Yeah. They just sweep it under the rug. They don't want to deal with it. But having clarity and having a healthy relationship with where it is actually gives you power um, and gives you the ability to go make some awesome financial moves for yourself and for the service of others. And so that's really what I want to help people accomplish. So t- tell me a little bit about like your financial journey, I guess you say. Um, you said you did some sales when you got, how old are you now? I am 25, 25. almost 26. Okay. On the, on the 15th, that's my birthday. So Nice, nice. Well, happy uh-huh. birthday, man. 10 days away. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's good. So with, I guess with finances, I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from, you know, making a grip of money and then just blowing it right away because you have it and it's the first time you've had it. So where, what kind of clicked in your mind to be like, okay, maybe I should start, did you start budgeting it out? Did you start investing? Like what happened? Yeah, no, I personally, I didn't know where to start. I just knew that I wanted to get married and I didn't want to be broke. So those were like the two things that I knew. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad or Robert Kiyosaki or anything like that. Yeah. So we grew up, uh, our our family, we were all homeschooled. So we grew up uh, managing our family budget. Like everybody participated in managing my dad's and mom's income. Like we all got off of spreadsheets once a month and we went over things. We decided as a family, a lot of times what we were going to choose to spend money on and what we weren't going to choose money, choose to spend money on. We also played this cash flow game, um, Robert Kiyosaki's kind of main game. And so I felt like, oh, I, I know how to do money. I knew how to manage money. I knew how to budget money, right? And that's the problem is a lot of people, I mean, if they have any financial education, it's how to budget money. It's how to make your pennies stretch. That's where a lot of financial people will focus is how to make your pennies stretch, how to get more into the same amount of money. And um, what I was missing or what I found that I was missing is I didn't know how to accumulate money. And they're just, they're just two completely different practices. And to learn to accumulate money, you have to learn the rules of money, which I didn't know. So I just knew that I wanted to change. I didn't like what was happening. And so I actually called up my friend who was a loan officer and said, hey, I need to be in touch with the best financial advisors you know. And we sat down. I was like, hey, I've got 30 grand. I just want to throw it in into anything, anything outside of my bank account so that I don't have to spend it. <laughs> So is this like an investing? You talking about four hundred one k? Are you talking about Roth? Like, what, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. So the products, um, those are primarily irrelevant, and because of um, different uh, restrictions here, I, I don't want to get into product specific things. If we want to talk one on one, let's do that, and you can you can reach me through my website samnickerbacher dot com if you have questions about what things might be best for you, a situation. Um, that's a that's a different story, but. Um, Basically, I didn't know. I, I had no idea what those were. Like from, from playing that game, I barely had briefly heard of 401ks. I didn't really know what an IRA was. I kind of roughly knew what a stock was. The only investing that I really had a, a, a half-decent understanding of was real estate. Um, and that's because that's primarily what Rocky, uh, Robert Kiyosaki does. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had an idea about that, but I really had no idea 
what I was doing when I sat down with this financial advisor. All I knew was I needed my money out of my bank account. And what was cool was rather than just helping me manage my money, this guy taught me how to have a healthy relationship with money. Really? He taught me about the rules of money. He taught me about how interest, inflation, just like ba- like super, super basic things that are, are happening. He taught me those things. So like imagine this, right? Imagine you are a basketball player, mm-hmm. okay? And the, the, the uh, boundary, outside of the boundary, let's say you're holding the basketball and your toe touches the line on the, the, the outline. Are you in or out if your foot even touches? You're out. You're out, right? So let's say that you have a wonderful career playing basketball, but then you go over and play soccer. Now, soccer, the rules are different. As long as the ball or is even touching the line, then it's still in, number one. Number two, you can run outside of the, the field to kick the ball in and keep it in. And as long as the ball never left the, the, the boundaries, then it's still in. So if we're both chasing down this soccer ball, and you know the rules of money, and I don't, and I see it's going out, I'm just going to stop and be like, well, it went out, right? Well, the person who understands the rules of the money, he runs out, kicks the ball back in, and goes and scores, right? Now the, now the coach, all the team, who are they upset at? They're upset at me because I just stopped. Absolutely. Right? Okay. <laughs> which, which makes complete sense. But why did I stop? It wasn't because I couldn't have got the ball. It was because I, I didn't understand the rules, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so most people are in this situation with money. We all have to play money. Nobody gets away from the money game ever. You know, like we all have to use money on a daily basis. And yet only a few people understand the rules. And those are the people who are winning at the money game. And everybody else just is kind of pretending to play. But anytime the ball starts to go out, they just stop because they don't understand the rules. So what are some of the, I mean, if you can talk about this, if it's true, sure. you know, um, I guess revealing, then fine, we can move on. Um, but what are some of the things that you started doing in your early career, in your early stages of life that kind of started setting you ahead that other kids weren't doing, I guess, at your age? Yeah, for sure. So so one thing is I, I really adopted a, a percentage-based budget. And for me, that meant um, looking at, okay, I have so much money coming in. I want to only spend X amount of dollars and I want that to be like 50% of my income or 75% of my income, whatever it is. But I started saying, okay, no matter what, when, when a dollar hits my account, this percent of that dollar is going towards savings. I started to pay myself first. I started to um, commit to charity. So paying myself first was number one. Then I paid to charity. I, uh, and we can get into that here in a second. Paid to charity. Then I paid um, my, my bills after that. Mm. And, and I took percentages off of that. Now, some people are going to say, well, I have debts. Okay, well, if you have debt, pay yourself first, then do charity, then pay your debts, and then live on what's left. We have to stop uh, seeking the immediate gratification mm-hmm. and be willing to sacrifice something for the future. Because um, what I learned and, and what this guy taught me was if, <laughs> if you're not willing to sacrifice today for what you want in the future, then what you want in the future actually will become your sacrifice. Ah, interesting. Uh, and I was unwilling to, to let my family be this, be my sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of goals. I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to have experiences with my family. And those often cost money. Money's not the, the thing that makes you happy, but it definitely helps. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so, so that's really some of the, those are some of the tactical things that I did is I just reassessed how I was spending my money. But then also um, when we get into the, the charity 
this is something a lot of people overlook. And this is when I step away from the, the, the number side of it, because the number side is irrelevant. What I started doing differently it, in, a, in a physical, energetic level, and that's where people, I think, sometimes miss it on the money game. Mm-hmm. Um, they think that there's actual objects. They think that money is actually a thing. Um, everything in this universe is a frequency. The only reason something seems solid is because it's vibrating at a different frequency than something that seems more liquid. Yeah, I've actually seen a few studies. I mean, kind of to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I've seen um, there was a couple of studies that they did where they took some solid objects like tables and glasses and bottles and things like that, and they took um, put them in in between like a a tube, right? And Uh between the two, it was two speakers, that were shot in like a, a mono wave format, basically. Uh-huh. So what they did is right. they just shot this frequency and they slowly raised it and raised it and raised it until the object, the solid, started wobbling. And then obviously once they dropped the frequency, it broke. But basically what happened is that almost whenever the sound frequency reached this object's frequency, it started to lose its um, atomic structure. Absolutely, yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's the same thing. And so be- because of that, like physical scientific law, right? We can, we can talk about money in a very scientific way. We don't have to be like, well, I'm struggling to get money. The only reason somebody's struggling to get money is because they're in, they're in a different frequency than money, yeah. right? And so I started putting my mind, putting everything I was doing in the frequency of money. I started thinking more positive about this money. When you give charity, it does something very specific. So you probably have heard of um, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Yeah, okay. okay. So there's a lot of things that are attached to this. Uh, I'm going to kind of just address them very slightly in a different manner and say scarcity versus abundance, okay? Um, When we think scarcity, I actually am doing a webinar on this, so if anybody wants to go check that out, it'll be on my website soon. Absolutely. When we think scarcity, um, we're thinking I don't have enough, and when we think we don't have enough, then we start into fear, we start thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to get these bills paid? And we start having anxiety, depression, things like that. And then we end up starting to hoard money, like we're scared it's going to go. So I have uh, one client who at one point she had $15,000 in her bank account. Mm -hmm. And every day she's still like, oh my gosh, I need to make more money. I need to make more money because I don't know if I can pay my bills. And this client, she she lived on less than $1,000 a month. She had enough money to last almost a year and a half. And yet she still felt like she didn't have enough money, you know? Where where does that come from? It comes from our uh, upbringing, right? How how many people, uh, ask yourself this if you're listening, um, have I ever heard or could I finish this sentence? You know, money doesn't grow on trees, right? right? That's something everybody knows. We're all told that. Rich people are bad and wrong or gross or whatever, you know? They're they're greedy. We've been conditioned to see all people with money as negative. So we've built this negative relationship with money. Being in debt is, right? And people say, bad, it's terrible to be in debt. Well, that's one way of looking at it. I tend to think that uh, being in debt, man, I'm grateful that somebody trusted me and believed in me that I could could pay them back. And so they were willing to extend me some capital so that I could go have an experience that I wouldn't have otherwise had. I like that. Okay. Right? If I'm living in gratitude, if I'm living in, uh, an ability where I have other people that believe in me, that gives me power to get out of debt. That gives me power to pay back my things because now it's like it was a value exchange. I valued what I got and, and they, they were willing to, to let me see that and I was willing to commit X amount of value or dollars 
to this so that I could experience this, this thing. And so I started to shift how I experienced money. And when we're talking about fear and scarcity, when you give charity, you actually are, it's one action, physical action that will put you, if you're doing it correctly, it will put you into a state of abundance because for me to go give my church or, or somebody I'm on the street or whatever, for me to go give them money, I have to believe that I have enough for myself and some to give. Yeah. Right. And so as I step into abundance, as I step into believing that I have enough and some to give, then the, then the universe, the vibration starts flocking to me because they're like, oh, this guy gets it. This guy is vibrating in a world where he has money. Well, if he has money, let's get there. Let's get into money. Yeah. And so that's really what changed my, my initial structure. And I didn't completely change it till about 2017 to be uh, completely open. Um, all of two that I had started working in this and I was just working really hard. Um, and all of 2017, I made okay money, but not great. But I was like, man, how do I get to the next level? How do I really just like launch mm-hmm. um, this? Because I believe money's good. I've, I've healed a lot of this relationship, but I still wasn't getting a lot of money. And then I got on a coaching call. I think it's important for people to, to be willing to invest in themselves and hire a coach. It's absolutely, absolutely worth it. Um, but I got on this coaching call with a woman from Canada. She was paid her for half an hour. And in that half an hour, I had some great breakthroughs. But we, when it got down to it, I didn't feel worthy of leadership. I didn't feel worthy of receiving money. I didn't feel worthy of having the income. Not that I thought it was bad to have the income. I just didn't feel like it was for me. Right? Yeah. I was still saying, well, you can make a ton of money. You can make a ton of money. I'm okay with that. I see that that's a good thing. But I didn't feel worthy and confident enough that I was adding enough value to, to get compensated monetarily back for it. And when I realized that, again, it was going to that penny drop, mm-hmm. it, it clicked. And I was like, oh, that's the dumbest thing ever. Of course <laughs> I'm worthy, right? Yeah. Over two, from 2017 to 2018, I quadrupled my income by simply changing what I believed about myself rather than the work I was doing, the way I was spending money. None of that changed. It was just simply what I believed about myself. And that's why I think we can have a financial discussion about where things are at, budgeting and all that crap. But the reality is that's like 5%, if that, of a money equation. If somebody's struggling with finance, I, I guarantee you it's not because of the money. It's because of their relationship and their, their emotional frequency that they have with money. So, um, with that being said, the relationship, I mean, you know, your relationship with money changed, your outlook on yourself changed, you're, you said, you're saying that the habits that, you know, you perform with your money, any monetary instrument is only a small portion of this whole equation. Do, do any of your personal habits, did those change? Not really. I mean, very, very little. Not. Re- I would say no. From from 2017 to 2018, not at all. Um, before they did. So my habits were in the process of changing. And um, if anything, from 2017 to 2018, I actually decreased my spending and increased my my savings and investing. Okay. Um, I, I increased the amount that I believed in myself. I also was willing to invest back into myself a lot more than I ever had before. Um, I was still a little cautious of hiring coach. I did it because I was like, I don't know what else to do. I felt like I was backed up against a wall. Um, but after I experienced that first little bit, I mean, 
I spent, I probably spent almost $12,000 last year um, just on investing in myself and personal development and things. So um, when, when you think about where that's going to be, yourself is always going to be the best investment, right? If I have enough confidence in myself that I could go into any career, I could go into any situation, I could go into any country, I could go get dropped off in any city, and I know I could make money, um, I know I could provide for my family, that's the best investment, right? Um, when you have that inner confidence of, in your ability to provide. And, and that's really what I want to give people when it comes to a legacy, is helping people have the self-confidence in themselves that they can provide. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really good. Now, for someone that's listening right now that may be interested, they're like, you know what, I'm I'm in a I'm in a little bit of a pickle. I, I I might need some coaching. What are some things that you can kind of maybe convince the listeners to reach out to you if they're on the fence about it? What what kind of like within your client base, the problems have you faced as to why people haven't reached out to you? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, honestly, the the biggest reason people don't reach out is because they're worried about the cost of it, and so. Because of that, um, when I'm working with my clients, um, for the most part, especially on a financial side, I don't charge people to, to work with them. I get compensated in other ways. But um, if they're going to start putting money away for themselves, then they just I'm just going to coach them on how to do that because um, I have other streams of income. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to me because here, here's the thing. It's, it's almost selfish a little bit. If, if other people are foreclosing on their house, if other people are living on the government, if other people – are just purely um, terrible with their money, who, who's really footing the bill for that? It's all the people who have money have to fork into um, all these social programs. If your neighbor's house is foreclosed, your, your house decreases in value because then it says to the market that all the houses on that street are overpriced, which isn't true. What's true is that somebody doesn't know how to use money. So it's very selfish kind of motivation for me to help educate people um, on, on these things. And so if cost is a concern of yours, don't worry about it. Um, and, and definitely, I'm, you can go to my website and schedule a free strategy session. I'd love to sit down with you for 30 to 40 minutes and just see where you're at. If I can help you, fantastic. If I can't, then I know a lot of people, um, depending on where you're at, I don't know where your listeners are, if they're all in the United States or in other places. Um, but if I can't help you, then I can direct you to people who can uh, and help you make that change in your life because it's just so valuable. So that's the first reason somebody wouldn't reach out in general is because mm-hmm. they are, um, they, don't, they don't feel like they have money to, yeah. to invest in that. The other reason would be somebody feels like, well, I don't make enough right now to start even thinking about a financial future or a legacy. And, and to that, I would just say, look, the, and, and this is where I, I'm going to almost sound contradictory to what I said previously, but stay with me here. The habits that you're building are more important than the amount of money, okay? And so, like, if, if you only have $10 a month, then let's teach you how to manage those $10 a month properly so that when that $10, sorry, yeah, when that $10 a month turns into $10,000 a month, the management style doesn't have to change. The relationship doesn't have to change. And so that's where a lot of people um, kind of need their mind shifted a little bit. They think, oh, I don't have enough. Again, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough value to start saving. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have value. You have enough value. You have enough income to start using it properly and to learn the rules. Even if you have, if you have two broken legs, um, but you want to play soccer, okay, it's worth learning the rules of soccer so that when you're healthy enough to go play, you can go play. 
right? Okay. And so, and so if, if that's a concern, don't let it be a concern. I'd love to still meet with you and, and help you get your mindset and learn the rules of how to operate in, in the 21st century on a financial level um, and to build your foundation so that you can build your legacy. Look, nobody, not everybody's dream is like mine. Not mm-hmm. everybody has this goal of just, see, one of, my, one of my biggest goals is go speak on a stage in front of 100,000 people about forgiveness and gratitude. And that's not everybody's goal. That's my goal, right? Yeah. But that takes a, a certain level of financial foundation to be able to go do that. And so the, fi- the financial foundation, it's not the end. The end is what you're building on top of that foundation, the legacy that you're building on top of that foundation. But without that foundation, um, and we've all heard the parable of building a ro- your house on a rock or on the sand, um, it- it's pretty important to make sure your foundation is, is solid when you're building. So that would be the second one um, is people just don't feel like they have enough to worry about it. Um, I don't really know what the third one, those are really the two main concerns that I get. Um, when, when people are, when I finally meet with them, I say, what was the last thing you worried about? What, why are you worried about moving forward? It really comes down to one of those two things where they either, um, think it's going to cost more than it, it does, or they don't feel like they are, they're in a position where it's worth having the conversation yet. And, and to both, I would say there's, it's never, uh, it's never too early and it's also never too late um, to learn the rules of the game that we all play. So, I mean, you know, I like all this information. I'm kind of just trying to take it all in because um, this is something that I really haven't, you know, ventured into. This is something that's kind of new to me. You know what I'm saying? This kind of topic. Huh? What do you think that, I mean, if, like I said, once again, if I'm ever crossing a boundary of something, no, no, you're fine. About, um, just sure. let me know. What do you think people's biggest problem is? Like within the client base that you have, what is the most common issue, if you can give that away, of what no, people sure. tend to do? Um, I, I would say, I mean, I don't know that there's a certain place people put their money. Uh, again, this is in my webinar as well, but it really comes to a, a, a factor or a product of sedation. And let me explain that. So people, they are going into debt or they're, they feel like their spending's out of control, and then they're scared to look at it. They, they refuse to go through the pain of looking at it and, and get exposure to what's actually happening. Most of the time, I'll have clients come in. They're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed to look at these numbers, blah, 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 blah. And then they're, like, doing better than half of the other people that I meet with. It's like, you're actually doing really good. You need to give yourself some credit. Um, and so and they're too scared to look at their numbers and then – as a result of that, because of the fear, in our society, again, it goes back to immediate gratification. In our society, we try and mask the pain of things. So when we break up, what do we do? If we break up with a spouse or, or a, a relationship, we go, we eat, we drink. We, yeah. do, like, we do other things to sedate the pain because we don't actually want to experience the pain. Right. And so when people are trying to sedate the pain of their financial situation, often they go spend more money. <laughs> And it doesn't help. It just compounds a problem and they end up being feeling guilty and being even more depressed about um, their, their financial situation. And it's this never ending cycle. And then um, they, they just aren't ever getting ahead. And so if we can heal that relationship that you have with the financial conversation, then most of those issues are just going to disappear because um, as we do that, we're healing people's past or healing their present and ultimately giving them a future. 
And so I would say that's the biggest mistake that I see happening um, is just not looking because people instinctually know what they should be doing if they were even looking at it, but they just aren't looking. Interesting. Do you think that people are scared? Like, do you think it's people are scared to look at what's possible as far as terms of growth opposed to just being comfortable with how they are? Everything is right now whenever it comes to finance, like, cause I know a lot of people, for instance, um, you know, friends or even people that I've watched to grow up, you know, kind of just don't really do much. Right. They kind of just do what they can with what they have. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but you know, just some people just don't want that much for themselves. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that's a trained thing. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever met a, a six or eight year old kid who, when you say, Hey, what's your dream? They came back and said, Oh, I just want to be normal and average and just kind of survive. Right. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between childhood and, and graduating high school, we, we lose our dream. We lose our drive. We lose our desire to kind of go out and, and create. And that's unfortunate, but that's a learned thing. And so part of healing the past if somebody comes in and they're just like, you know what, I'm just comfortable with where I'm at. Um, uh, this is maybe slightly harsh, but how selfish of you um, to, to just think that your gifts were just for you. How selfish of you to think that um, you were brought down to this, this planet just for yourself, just so that you could be alone and, and or average and ordinary. I believe everybody on this planet, they have gifts to share and they were here to, to really bless the lives of other people. And, um, if you're okay, that's great, but nobody's safe until everybody's safe. And so if, if you have reached that out, maybe you're a millionaire, maybe you're a multimillionaire, and you're like, no, literally, Sam, I am comfortable financially with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Great. How are you helping other people achieve that same sense of satisfaction and, and inner peace, right? So maybe yeah. you do have that inner peace. And if that's the case, Why? Right. I would say, but I would, this uh, a caveat to that. Most people, if, if you're under like 70 to a hundred thousand dollars a year income, most people are, uh, they're absolutely dissatisfied and their way of, um, not being dissatisfied is telling themselves that it's okay because they're just like everybody else. Well, Joe down the street, he makes the same amount as me. So why should I be unhappy with that? It's like, well, you think that that's his full potential? Is it your full potential? Is that all you're worth, what you're getting paid right now? Um, or is, is there more value you could add to your society? So how, how do you think we can get people to end that mindset? Like, they, you know, I think a lot of people, even adults, especially young adults, are very selfish. It's about me, right? It's about my career. It's about what I'm going to do. It's about how I'm going to provide for my family. Because that's still that's still a it can be a selfish uh, statement because then you get picky about your income you get picky about the kind of house you want you get picky about it, you know what I mean which it's okay to, I think it's okay to have great aspirations of what you want to do but then coming from your perspective you're still wanting to include like okay hold on yes you can have all these things but make sure that you're involving the world make sure that you're you know trying to make some kind of a a stepping stone for the people around you, your society, or even like your community. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. Uh, as far as what people think is going on, I would say that the only way to really be selfish is to be selfless, right? Um, there's no, there's no millionaires that made it there all by themselves. 
right? There's no self-made millionaires. Every millionaire that I've ever met has had a massive team. They've built a company. They've involved a lot of people. And they've been compensated based on the value that they added to their society. And so the people who are, and it goes back to the fear and scarcity, right? The people who are hoarding their talents, the people who are thinking, oh, it's about me. I don't have enough. I want more. I need more, blah, blah, blah. Those people, um, they're stuck in a scarcity cycle. Yeah. And, and, and keep in mind, you can actually make a, a large amount of money and still be in absolute scarcity. Okay. Your, your skills, your talents, your things, they can make a lot of money and still be living in absolute scarcity. How so? Um, kind of digress on that if you can. Yeah, no. So when we're talking about, um, well, I, I just know people, right, who they, they are absolutely frugal and penny pinchers to the point where if you ask them for any money or any help or anything, they're like, no, it's all me. If, yeah. if, it's, not, if it's not me, then I'm, I'm not doing it, right? You can still build a company. You can still go push uh, a lot of products. You can still go do those things and even enlist other people. Um, into your 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 company or whatever, um, and have them be working for you and making money. But how you live your life, you're still going to be living in scarcity. Mm. You're still going to be living like one or two things are going to happen. You're going to live like a hoarder, and you're going to have a ton of money, and it's just going to be sitting in your background, buried because you're scared of losing it. Or you're going to be out spending it like crazy because you just don't know when you're going to get money again, and so you're just spending. It's like the uh, lottery winners, statistically, most of them are bankrupt within a few years of winning, not because they didn't have money, but because their mindset was so scarce before they were gambling. When they finally won, they just blow all their money because they never were taught the rules and they don't operate at a frequency in which money can reside. And so it flocks away from them. They just mm-hmm. blow it on random yeah. crazy things. Yeah. And so you can still be, have a decent amount of money and still be a, have a scarcity mindset. I don't know that you could really become like multi, multi-millionaire or billionaire um, and have a complete scarcity mindset. You have to start thinking about how can I add more value to those around me? Um, and that's where I know we've spent most of this episode talking about the word money. Um, with a lot of my clients, I actually have them exchange the word money for value. Mm, interesting. Um, Why is because, that? Well, like if I ask you for a ten thousand bucks right now, what are you gonna okay. say? Don't have it. Sorry, partner. Uh, let, let's use the whole. Let, let's use the whole phrase though. I don't have what? What don't you have? Money. You don't have money. So, so now if I say, okay, we're no longer using the word money. We're using the word value. Now, can I have a? Can I have ten thousand dollars? I don't have value. Yeah, exactly. Does that sound right? That you, as an individual, Darius, do not have value. No. No, like instinctually inside our, the coolest part of our being, we know that we have value. We know that our life as a human being is worth more than $10,000. It's worth more than a hundred. It's worth more than a million, right? And yeah. so if, if that's true, if we have value, then why are we not sharing that value? Because if we share that value with others, we will be compensated based on the value we're willing to add to our community. And so if we're not adding that value, then we're not getting the compensation. And, and that's why when I'm talking with clients and they're sitting there thinking, well, I don't have the money for this. I don't have the money for that. Okay, let's take the money out. Do you value that experience? Do you value that thing that you don't think you have money for? Now, let's have an honest conversation. You may not value that. And if that's the case, then that's okay. But to mm-hmm. say, 
you don't have money. Look, if your daughter was on the table and she was dying, granted, you'd be able to emotionally influence other people a little bit better. But because her life is that valuable, you would go to any level of debt to make sure that she could have the care that she needed. Even if you knew you had to pay it all back because you value her life. And so you wouldn't be saying to the doctor, sorry, I don't have the money for that. You'd be like, okay, let's get resourceful. How can I find this money so that my daughter can live? Yes, understandable. Um, So something that I kind of heard you say um, earlier was how people, you know, spend money. And whenever they're in a frugal situation, something traumatic happens and they have a tendency to spend it. They have a tendency to blow money on something they don't need retail therapy for instance um <laughs> that's a good word retail therapy yep <laughs> <So true. laughs> something i've heard a lot of big speakers talk about is getting money to work for you now the biggest sales pitch right now that i've noticed all motivational speakers talk about is like for instance all the a lot of at least the ads that have been popping up for me i know how marketing works i know it's because i watched a certain video I like the thing on Instagram. You know what I mean? I know how these demographics work. But as far as what's been popping up on my timeline, um, these speakers, what they will say is they say, okay, every day you spend $5 um, a day at coffee or getting kombucha or getting, you know, some Taco Bell. You spend $5 a day going to this place. Right. And then they put it in relation to, well, I have this course that's basically $5 a day, but, you know, obviously they bill you monthly and it comes out to like, I don't know, 40, 70 bucks a month. Right. Um, so, you know, basically what I'm kind of getting at is these speakers will put it in metaphorical sense of getting money to work for you. And that's what their goal is for them, that you're going to buy this course and this money is going to work for you because I'm teaching you something. I'm providing value. Once again, back to that value. Where do you draw the line opposed to like, okay, let me reiterate that question. Do you think it is okay for somebody to, that doesn't believe in themselves quite yet to invest in something like that? Or is that like a waste of money? Because they don't believe in themselves. They don't really think that, okay, well, you know, my friend sent me this video. Maybe this guy has some value. I'll just buy this month and cancel if I don't like it. Is that an investment if they don't, if their head's not in it, if their heart's not in it? Oh, that is a tough question. It's so hard because um, a lot of times, I mean, those, those courses, they're designed a lot of times, and that is not everybody. I'd have to look at the specific ones, but a lot of those courses are designed specifically to help you believe in yourself, right? So, for instance, my webinar that I have, the whole purpose of my webinar, there's four parts to it. The first is confidence that, that you can actually build a legacy. The second is um, heal your relationship with debt. The third is how to legacize your money, how to turn your money into something that's going to be able to create a legacy for you. Um, and then the last one, oh my gosh, I just forgot it, but it's a good one. Uh, but the, the purpose is, right, I'm just adding this value in before they come and meet with me so they can already get to know me. They can decide whether they like me. Look, I'm fully aware there's a lot of people out there who don't like the way I communicate, and that's okay for them. I'm not the, the person who's going to help them. I hope yeah. that they go get help. But, like, there's also a lot of people out there who are listening to this and they're thinking, wow, I really – like the way Sam thinks. I really can connect with him. And those people, I hope they reach out, man. I hope they reach out to you and say thank you. I hope 
that, that you get people in your tribe that are following you because it's just on which manner. And I think most of those coaches, they have free content. If you went to their website, they would give you a free intro course to help you believe in yourself and give you the confidence to take that next step in, of, an, of an actual investment into their courses. One who's paid for various courses, I paid, uh, I go to a lot of seminars. That's how I do a lot of my uh, okay. growth. Well, you'll pay five, $600 to go to a seminar, sometimes even 1000 if you're going to like Grant Cardone yeah. and XCon. You'll go to $1,000, and that's just to get into the door, right? Inside the door, you're going to be presented to over the, that, the course of that week by some of the best salesmen in the world. And, and these people, they're experts in selling you from stage, mm -hmm. right? It's not like they're just like good at one-on-ones. They, they are closing millions of dollars from the stage. And so their job is to help you believe in that, believe in yourself enough that you can get there. And what I found is required from a, from a coach's perspective or from a, uh, a speaker's perspective is there's two things that are required. The first is um, if I'm working with a client, I have to be able to help that client um, feel and understand that I know where they currently okay. are, yeah. right? I have to know, so I have to be able to ask enough questions to know exactly where they currently are mentally, emotionally, physically, monetarily. Right? I have to know where they are. And then I have to know where they want to go, right? Because if I don't find out where they want to go, and then I start making recommendations, read this this week and all this stuff, they're not going to trust me the same because they're like, well, that's your opinion of that's where I should go. But what if this other person thinks I should go somewhere else? Right. Can I and touch so on that for a second? They have to believe. Oh, so, absolutely. Go okay. For it. I brought this up in almost all of my past episodes. It's just because it's the book that I'm reading. M Millionaire Success Habits oh, okay. by Dean Graziosi. Uh -huh. yeah. In chapter absolutely. seven or eight, I believe, um, he talks about salesmen. He talks about, you know, how are you going to buy a car? Are you, if you walk up to a car or a dealership and the guy walks up to you and says, hey, look at this new 2019 Dodge Charger. It has this much horsepower. It has this carbon fiber and this much interior heated seats, blah, blah, blah. And starts naming off everything. So are you going to buy from that guy or are you going to buy from the guy that says, hey, you know, how are you doing? Um, are you doing all right? How's your day? How's your kids? You know, do you have kids? How you, They start to get these probing questions of getting to know you. So if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like a lot of the times what happens is even in your instances, you need to build rapport. You need to, you need to build some kind of set of um, a value that you can both compare to. Sure. Yeah. So rapport, rapport is important. I think the rapport, especially in the sales industry, I haven't read Dean's book, so I don't, I can't speak to that entirely. I've heard him speak. And, it, and it's very true. I mean, it's a principle of just sales or closing in general. But I think rapport almost is sometimes not as specific. People hear rapport and they're like, well, I build rapport with this girl I'm on a date with. I build rapport with – it's too, it's too broad. <laughs> Specifically, I think, in, in a legacy-building perspective, right? Because so, that's what I focus on primarily is how to help you build a legacy out of your life, how to help you build a legacy out of your core passions and values – if I don't know where you're going and, and I can't help you have confidence that I know where you're going, then there's no reason for you to trust me. There's no reason for you to believe in me. Uh, but if I can, if I say, look, I know exactly where you are and I know exactly where you want to go. 
and both of us agree that I know that, then I can rec make a recommendation and a pathway to get there, and, and people will be on board with it. Every time I've worked with a client and I've got to know them pretty well, I've built rapport with them, but then when I made a recommendation, they're like, uh, it's not really, I don't see how it's going to benefit me. Uh, sometimes I've got them to like still get the product or whatever, but as far as like they still wanted it, they saw enough value, but they, but they are not my best clients. They're not my raving fans. The people who are my raving fans, the people who are, are willing to offer up testimonials and things, those are people who said, wow, Sam connected with me. He said, I know, he, he knows where I want to go. He knows where I'm at and he is my guy to help me get there. And that I think is the key to closing or, or any type of sales is making sure that your client knows that you know where they're going. So do you, do you, you, I, it sounds like you develop a pretty close, like personal relationship almost with. Uh, absolutely. That's really good though. Cause I feel like, I mean, I've never done a lot of coaching, right? I, I mean, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I haven't. And to be honest, I'll be probably in contact with you soon um, outside of this, but because it's something I've always been interested in, but if I can't talk like one-on-one -on -one like this without having to pay an arm and a leg, then I don't, you know what I mean? It's something that's oh, it's absolutely. just unrealistic for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, um, I, agree. I completely agree. You, you need to be able to get to know them before you go put a bunch yeah, of money on. So, or even, even that, like, I mean, there's a certain means of what I'm capable of, you know what I mean? Back to your percentage bracket. So yeah. Everybody has a certain percentage of what they're able to live off of. So, I guess um, sure. kind of what I'm saying is uh, when it comes down to coaching, it sounds like you're letting a lot of people into your life. You're, you're letting this one person into, like, I guess it takes a lot of um, unselfishness, I guess, to be able to let somebody yeah. in like that. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people, I think, yeah. they probably think that they know. Like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I've saved up a thousand dollars in the past year. You know what I mean? Without the like the saying, huh. "You don't know what you don't know." Like, there's other people the same age as you huh. or younger than you that are just better at working with the same tools as you. Absolutely, yeah. And I think one of the one of the strongest qualities that I would look for um, in in a coach, if you're if you're looking for coaches, uh, again, this could be anywhere in the world or anything. I would look for how vulnerable are they willing to be. Right. And this is the thing. So um, crisis creates connection. OK, so when you go through a crisis with somebody, that's a bonding connection. And you, you've created a connection with that other person, with that individual or group of people that no matter what happens, you guys will always have that experience yeah. together. So crisis creates connection. Now, I don't necessarily I'm not going through all of my crisis that I went through as a child um, currently. But if I'm not willing to allow somebody else into that crisis in my life, then I'm not going to get that connection from them. And so I need to, one, be able to connect and help them feel okay with sharing their crises in their life. And so when you are connecting on that deep of a level, it's really difficult not to have all of your clients become really, really good friends because you're, you're just connected in a way that's deeper than you would be connected with any random person that you meet on the street. So for yourself, like with that, with that in mind, how do you draw the line? Where, where do you draw the line of getting, I mean, 
and not in like a relationship way, but it's easy to fall in love with somebody, right? Like of, through business, like, oh man, I love this person. They're always straight on board. They're always up for everything that I'm telling them. They're showing me real results and you fall in love with that little bit of a process, right? Can you, is it safe to call it that? Uh, absolutely. And I think that, man, you, I don't know how old you are, how much, how much you've been around. So you say you haven't been coaching. You, you're very spot on in a lot of the, the, the struggles of a good coach, uh-huh. right? Um, maintaining boundaries is crucial, crucial. And it's, it's the same thing um, from a psychological or uh, like a therapist mentality. You have to be able to maintain boundaries and separate uh, feelings. So you have to be able to have a lot of compassion for somebody um, without quite stepping, stepping into empathy. Empathy is like required to have compassion. Mm. But if you get too empathetic, then you start feeling everything with them and that's creating a, maybe an unhealthy connection um, where, where you are like legit falling in love. And I just gave a speech earlier today about um, goals and uh, I've, I've, I've redefined smart goals and we won't get into too much of those, what they are, go check it out on my Instagram page. But um, think of like having an affair and how terrible it is, right? We all have this terrible connotation of having an affair, but what my, my uh, ploy, I guess, or what I believe is most people are having an affair with their dreams, but they're too scared to talk about it, mm-hmm. right? When they think of their dream, when they think of what they really want out of life, they get a pit in their stomach, just like they would if they'd went and cheated on their yeah. spouse. They feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. I can't have both worlds, so I've got to choose one, and, right? And they go through this whole emotional affair with their dreams, and sometimes those emotional affairs can happen with their coaches as well, or the process. And so you do have to be very careful, and it takes uh, a lot of being very upfront about that as a coach, mm. um, and being very clear about it. And also, another thing that I do is, uh, especially as a man, if I'm working with uh, another individual who could potentially gain like romantic feelings mm-hmm. for me, then I will always involve either another coaching partner in a lot of those sessions, or I'll bring my wife. Uh, yeah, that's a great thing. <laughs> I think that within those situations, like, I feel like, I mean, just because I've worked in a lot of workspaces before where I've had a decent amount of authority and, you know, even though at the moment in those periods of time, I was, I was very single, but because of the conflict of interest with work, I made those lines apparent. But as that person of, and I'm going to still call it a person of authority because that's kind of what you are at this point, right? You, oh, you're being authoritative. Yeah, I mean, they are willing to allow yeah, you. Yeah, they're listening. Uh-huh. To you. you're, they're taking your actions or your requests or whatever. Uh, but I feel like as that person of authority, you'll be able to catch on to that, right? Like you can always tell like, okay, hold on. This person said that and I know exactly where this is going to go. I know where this is leading. Sure. So, I mean, anyway, I just kind of wanted to dabble on that for a minute. Um, another question I kind of had that developed over the past couple I guess, 10 minutes or so. Um, why is it, do you think that, oh, and to add no, also, I'm only 21. So, I mean, I'm not a genius. I just, oh, I, I just have awesome. a lot of- well, you're doing awesome. Um, hey, that's okay. So why is it, do you think that ten, the tendency of, you know, I, I work at a bank. I work, um, so I see a lot of people. Um, uh-huh. Why is it that you think that certain people, one man with, a thousand dollars in his bank account or say a fixed income of 1500 a month is way 
angrier at the world than the another man that may be a little older that has the same income but it just reaches his full potential happiness for the day of whatever he's a lot whatever whatever he can reach that has full potential even if it's just smiling all day and not being chatty that person is seems to be enjoying life just a little bit more even though they make the same amount is that a, is that something right. deeper than finance Oh, absolutely. I would say that money is so far off of the, off of the conversation. Um, it's either in my experience, yeah. right? And the first thing you got to learn from anybody who's you're listening to on a podcast or anybody you're listening to period is when they're sharing stuff as adamant as I am uh, about, about my experiences, let's, let's just be clear about one thing. They're my experiences. If you experience something different, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong, but in my experience, they're struggling with a few things probably one is they're worried about what other people think they think that that their lack of money is a judgment they, they think they're worth mm-hmm. their money right they, they have this relationship with um my value is based on how much money's in my bank account or how much money that i can um get paid rather than my value is x amount and i demand that. interesting okay so another question right? if you want to dabble on that go ahead i can hold on to it Okay. Yeah. So I, I would, I would say that's going to be the, one of the main things is, are you, do you understand your value? And this goes back into legacy. Have you identified your identity? Do you know who you are and know what you're worth? And until you figure that out, then it's really hard to get an income. We go into jobs and we beg for employment for like a 10, $15 an hour job. And it's like, when you drop, when you pull back the curtains, do you really think you're only worth $15 an hour? Or do you think you're worth more? Do you think that you as a human, the value you can add is more than that? And if you think that it's less than that, then in my opinion, you are out of integrity if you're being paid something more than you think you're worth. So you should, you should ask to lower your wage. <laughs> Sounds stupid, but like legit, if you're not at, or you should add more value. You should choose to add more value or be honest and, and ask for a lower wage. Interesting. Interesting. So someone with a millionaire mindset that is considered low class, maybe works for minimum wage and it's not, it's like less than $10 an hour, but they have the millionaire mindset that one of these days I'm going to be this thing. I'm going to be this thing. And they're only working on a few things. They just don't have the right tools to uh, kind of attack it. Have you ever had a case like that? First of all. Uh, Yeah, but I I think that, um, it, it still goes back to mindset. And what I would say is that that person is still living in the one of these days okay, future rather than I am yeah. today. And so it hasn't become real enough for them today. They aren't experiencing it today. I mean, think of life as, uh, I don't know if you remember the old Kodak film strips that you could pull out or the, the movie mm-hmm. roll films, right? Where it's just a bunch of negative yeah. pictures and you run through a reel. Okay. So, um, so many people think of life in this linear fashion where today, tomorrow, right? And it's going like this. What if life was more like this, this movie reel where you could stretch life out all at once and every reality is equally present at the same time? The beginning and end of the movie are both present at the same time. The end of the movie, you've got the girl, you've got the money, you've got the, the house, you've got the kids, you've got the job, you've got everything you want. The beginning of the movie, you're, de- uh, you're, you're broke, you're living in your mom's basement, um, you have no relationship, nobody likes you, you're depressed, right? So you, you pull this film strip out, both realities are currently present. You see where yeah. I'm going with this? The difference is you are choosing to live in the first reality, I mean the, the, 
the beginning reality rather than the end reality. And it's up to you to choose in this moment which reality you want to exist in. As soon as you choose to exist in the wealthy, the, the, the relationship, the happiness, the peace, as soon as you choose to exist in that reality, your, your whole life literally changes and everything shifts at how you view life. And you just exist in that reality now, and you you just don't have the crappy life that you so, have. I, it's hard to exp- – until you've experienced it, it's hard to p- explain. But once you experience it, then there's no going back. Do you think that – okay, so I have two questions. First of all, existing – this is kind of going to dial back to, like, your um, frequency statement. Is that kind of like how you're talking about uh-huh. just existing in a certain frequency? Because that's how everything is kind of – you're putting thoughts into a certain frequency and letting the other one kind of fade away, right? Yep, absolutely. So um, do you think that, is there a possibility that somebody tries to force themselves? Now, obviously, you know, this is a very linear statement because there's a lot that goes into existing in that wealthy reality, right? Because there's a lot of tools that you start Mm -hmm. using. There's a lot of practices, most likely, that I'm assuming um, that you kind of adopt. And a lot of new knowledge that you kind of um, apply to your current situation. But is there a possibility that someone that wants to exist, that tries to exist in this um, wealthy reality, does that fill their head up with air? Can it? As in, as like in, in an egotistical just, manner, um, like, oh, well, today I'm going to stop thinking. You know what I mean? Like, can somebody, can somebody take um, that wrong is what I'm asking, really. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Somebody could, and and I mean, certainty is what wins ultimately. So if you're certain that's going to happen, it doesn't matter if you're a super unnice person or or the nicest person ever. Both people, if you're applying the the rules of certainty and and existing in the frequency, uh, both people are going to be there. And that's just it's kind of unfortunate, but it's it's good because money doesn't make you a bad person; it amplifies who you are. And so you can tell who um, it, who you want to associate with, not by the dollar amount in their bank account, but by how they treat the people around them, how they're acting, the words that they're saying, how they're communicating. Because, um, yeah, you, you, you don't want to be around a bunch of people who are, are putting people down or negative or anything like yeah. that. The, the, the end goal is to lift people up. Um, on the same token, those people who are, are super kind, loving, they have compassion, they have all those things um, – they are willing to tell you exactly what they see out of love, right? So sometimes you might feel like you're receiving harsh criticism or harsh feedback because it's the first time somebody's told you the mm-hmm. truth. Um, and and instead of and it's up to you to take that however you want, right? But instead of getting offended by that, you could say, "Wow, thank you so much for telling me the truth. How can I change, right?" And then and then we can have a conversation, um, but. I, some of the some of the harshest feedback I've ever received in my life were from people was from people that I know loved me more than anybody else. Interesting. That's good though. I feel and, like and, even and, whenever it comes from those people, like it's a little bit more meaningful. So, for instance, whenever, um, how do I put it? Whenever I was doing some acting back in back in the day, I was doing some um, monologues for some casting directors. And one of the guys happened to be from New York. And the vibe that I got from this guy, he told me all kinds of stuff that just really, like, it crushed me. 
It like because it, it was he was real mm-hmm. direct. That's all it was. He was blunt about it. He was direct. He told me everything I needed to hear. But if I had heard those same exact words from my acting coach, I probably would have felt a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, so I think that's so that's an interesting. It can, they can be misunderstood, or somebody could take that. But um, what's interesting is exactly what you want to create is what's going to happen. So a practice that I think is really good to get into um, is writing out who your perfect self would be. Write it out on a piece of paper. Uh, how would you act towards your family? How would you act towards your friends? How would you act um, towards money? How would you act towards um, your, your spouse or whoever, right? Write out the perfect you. Like if you could, with a pencil, write the perfect thing. This person has never made a mistake. They're not about, like they're the best mm. person you could ever imagine. And if you're reading that to yourself every day, then what happens is your reality starts to shift and you start to see yourself as that person. And as you start to see yourself as that person, um, you start to act based on what you believe about yourself. Um, So if I don't believe that I'm worth it, I'm going to do things that will fulfill that belief. I'm not going to wake up on time. I'm not going to be diligent with my time. I'm not going to manage my time. I'm not going to care about the people around me because if I'm not worth it, nobody else is worth it, right? So um, based on what I believe about myself, that's how I'm going to show up in the world. And so having some real solid affirmations and a plan for what you want to accomplish over the next year or two years or three years or, or 40 years, right? If you're constantly saying these things to yourself, then you are only going to see things that will help you accomplish your goals. That's great. And you know, it's crazy that you bring up that like perfect self because in that Dean Graziosi book, uh, Millionaire Success Habits, he actually talks about comparing yourself um, to the perfect version of you. And rather than comparing yourself, just kind of like adopting their habits. And that was like pretty much on point. And that's something that I've kind of started doing, you know, kind of bring up a personal reflection Um, in my relationship. I have a lot of issues within my with my girlfriend. You know what I mean? We fight, you know, we argue just like every other relationship or whatever. And each time I ask her, I was like, well, tell me what I'm doing, because I don't see it, obviously. Right. Tell me what I'm doing, what I'm doing wrong that makes you feel this way. And, you know, she'll tell me after, obviously, the arguments cooled down. Um, and what I've been trying to do is like, I'll try to write it out. I've made a whiteboard where I've like, right, okay, I will not be like this. I will not be this way to her. I'm not. And I, now. Okay, so, so can I correct you on, on that really quick? So, um, and I love where you're going with this. And this is where, I'm glad you brought this up. This is where most people are going to fail in their affirmations. Okay. Um, and it happens with money all the is time. The, They're like, oh, I just want to get out of debt. I want to get out of debt. Is it the injectors? The, the, like the, I don't know what that oh, word okay, means. So like the, the, the describing word, like I will not rather than I am. Yeah, it's exactly. Okay. That's the, that is it. If you're focusing on what you don't want, you're going to get more of what you don't want. Um, if you're focusing on what you want to become, then you're going to see things that help you become that. But it's like um, having a plate of cookies in the center of the table and thinking, oh, I don't want a cookie. I don't want a cookie. I don't want to get fat. I don't, whatever. At some point, you're going to be like, I don't care if I get fat. I'm going to eat the whole thing, plate, mm-hmm. right? But if instead you say, no, I love being healthy. Like, my body loves what I put into it, and I love being healthy. I love the strength and energy that I get from being healthy. You're just going to, your, your body naturally recognizes those foods, those cookies, that plate of cookies doesn't supply to your body what you love. And so it won't even really want them it's not a temptation because you're so 
focus on what you want. It's like, are you running from your past or are you chasing your future? Mm. Um, if you're chasing your future, you're not really focused on what's behind you. You don't care. You're, and if you do that, you eventually will escape your past. But you, you, if you're constantly looking back uh, on your past, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I got to get away, got to get away. It's going to eventually, you're, the, the, the overanalyzation, the fear, all that is going to overtake you and you're going to fall back into your old habits. And so uh, specific in a relationship, and I'm going to call you out a little bit. Okay, right? go ahead, go so ahead. Yeah, do you think? But, uh, but not every real relationship has arguing and things in it. I do not, and, and some people won't believe this, and that's okay. But, like, I, I have raised my voice at my wife once. We've been married for maybe, well, four, three, I think it's going to be four mm-hmm. years. Yeah, three years. It'll be three years here in March. Yeah. I've had like one escalated conversation, um, but how you choose to respond is absolutely in your control. Absolutely. And if if you if you're arguing, in my in my opinion, you are now reacting to somebody else's energy, and you're no longer in control. Mm. And so, like um, and you you can ask my wife. We do not fight, uh, and I think that that's healthy, right? Some people are like, well, every good healthy has some disagreements. Look, we have disagreements. But because we're absolutely respectful mm-hmm. of other person's opinion and point of view, and we're honestly doing our best to consider it, there, there's no fighting. There's no animosity. There's no anger in those conversations. Is there disagreements and different points of views? Absolutely. But they don't have to involve negative emotions at all. Um, so it, I, I don't know your girlfriend. I'm sure she's great. I'm sure I know you're great from this conversation, but um, I would focus on, what, what if your relationship was the absolute best relationship it could be? What would that look like? Yeah. And, and just focus on building that. And, and keep in mind, it has absolutely nothing to do with how she responds to you. So it, I think kind of like, I mean, I, I get 100% where you're coming from. And I, I think a lot of my um, problems come into play because it's like I don't realize certain things are happening, right? And then, mm-hmm. it, then it devolves. So I'll give you a little bit of insight sure. on our most recent altercation, which is, I guess, still in effect. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so basically, we were talking and, you know, I was showing her something and she was telling me about this thing we were talking about without giving away too many details, obviously. Um, right. And I kind of continued to show her this thing and she felt like I was ignoring her, but I didn't get that. I was like, no, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just showing you how to do this. And then that devolved and it turned into a huge mess. But it's because all because she felt right. She felt like I was neglecting her and not paying attention to her. And but and I in my mind, I thought that I was helping her by instructing her how to do this. You see what I'm saying? So those. Yeah. Where a lot of this just comes down to is we interpret. I feel like we really interpret each other differently. And then there's a huge, huge story of a backstory of, you know, um, of why things are like this, of how we didn't. Sure. And a lot of it comes on to my part. I didn't treat her the best in the beginning of the relationship because I didn't understand relationships. Never been in one before. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm still right. getting to this point to where I'm understanding what's going on, what she needs for me. But she's already getting to this point to where she's like little things will set her off because of – Yeah. So I, I would say there's two really good books. Like these are honestly my top two books that I've ever read. And, and not just like I've read – I try and read a book a week. I'm not always the best out of it. Like out of all the books I've read, these are my top two. Mm-hmm. Um, the Anatomy, the Anatomy of Peace okay. by the Arbinger Institute. Uh-huh. 
I'll write this um, down. Same people who wrote Leadership and Self-Deception, but um, it's, it's like the precursor to Leadership and Self-Deception, and it deals a lot more with interpersonal things. Mm -hmm. So The Anatomy of Peace is one, and the second is The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. The Four Tendencies? The Four Tendencies. Does that tie into and, um, any of, like, Plato? I think it's Plato, right, um, that had the four, what is it? Dang it! Like the, it's uh, motive. Uh, I think it's the four, four motives. Four motives. Yeah. Um, I haven't read that one yet, but uh, I, so I don't know. But the four agreements is all about inner and outer expectations. So how do you respond to something when somebody else expects it of you, mm. versus how do you respond to it when you expect something of yourself? And so there's four different personality types, right? Yeah. And that paired with the anatomy of peace, it has helped me in my relationships so much because it gives me a language to communicate where I am and where somebody else is, how we can adjust those things without placing blame, without placing any, um, you did this and it's your fault. It's like, look, this is her, this is that person's personality. This is this person's personality. Let's learn how to communicate. Let's, let's create examples that will help this personality type understand it from an absolute place of love. Does, and so, does that have anything to correlate through the five love languages? It, it's so it doesn't really talk about the five love languages, really. No, I'm just talking um, about like as far as correlation from what yeah. you're talking about. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it, it has. It, it could. Okay. It could a little bit, but I think it's it's more. It's not targeted towards that. It's really targeted towards communication and the the four tendencies of how we create. So there's like there's the rebel, there's the obliger. There's the upholder and the questioner. And uh, my wife is an obliger. She's one who's like basically is ready to accept and just do whatever anybody else wants her to do mm -hmm. because she doesn't like to say no. So she's committed to the outer expectations of her, but she rarely keeps her inner expectations. I'm the polar opposite. Like if it doesn't serve me, if I don't see how it's going to benefit me, I almost will never commit to it, mm -hmm. right? As from a commitment standpoint, I am committed to my inner commitments to myself and if it doesn't if, if somebody wants to get me to do something that doesn't align with my inner commitments yeah i i will not be consistent um honestly at this point i won't even say yes just because it doesn't like it's just it's not, not me. aligning yeah um it, it doesn't align but see Char my wife charlie she's really great and she will help me commit to things that i want to do but i just struggle making a commitment because i don't like making commitments then she will help me say yes to certain things and on the flip side when people are asking her to do stuff um, in our religious organization or um, just babysitting family whatever when they're making requests of her and she's like oh i don't really want to do this but i don't like to say no then she'll hand her phone to me and i will just say no for her interesting all right so, so like, it's teamwork uh, that's so, good it, yeah it's teamwork but so just like learning what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, uh, again, it kind of goes back to the same money conversation. Where's your strengths? Where are you spending? Where are you not spending? It doesn't really matter what the data is. What matters is that you're aware of what it is. Yeah. Um, and the awareness is really what gives you the power. Um, and that's really where I focus with my clients is how can we become more aware of our situation? And as we do that, um, let's focus on what do we actually want to create and then what are the steps that need to happen to help you create what you want. Interesting. Interesting. So my one question I, I was meant to touch on it earlier, but it's been sitting on my back. <laughs> the back end has been sitting okay. on the table. Um, <laughs> why do you think 
monetary instruments affect people's personality and or mood? Monetary instruments. Explain what you mean like by just instruments. Money, man. Just, just money in general. Okay. Things that they can be traded for money. Cars. Um, in mo- like okay. uh, material things. That's why things buying power. Um, you know what I mean? I think it's. I think it's honestly ego. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's, they care about what other people think about themselves, about them, and so they're constantly trying to please others um, rather than intentionally create their own thing. So. Um, when, when an experience for me, right? So I really wanted to um, make sure that my family was was happy with me, and so I would always volunteer for things in my in my family. I always wanted to be able to do things. I wanted to be able to fix things. I wanted to um, protect my family, things like that. Um, and when I wasn't, or when I was out of control in that scenario, or if I wasn't being recognized, then I then I would get upset right Mm -hmm. i wanted the recognition i wasn't doing things out of just the pure intent of doing it i was doing it for the recognition and so then when that recognition isn't come or or it's coming in a way that i don't like then that would irritate me because it's an unmet expectation of my ego Mm. do you feed your ego at all do you do you think do you like even a little bit just the kind of i i think ego to, to a point is is good um, there, there's some people who will use the acronym edging God out and that's what ego is. I think that, um, ego can serve a purpose, like the, the positive sides of ego, mm-hmm. um, or at least self-confidence and, and maybe it's just not ego at all, but because the word's been so conflated, um, but you need to have self-confidence. Like I'm, ne- I'm, I'll be the first one to compliment myself. I'll be the first one to tell you how great I am. Um, because you can only you can only love and serve somebody else as much as you can love and serve yourself. So if you don't love yourself, then it's really hard to give somebody else a compliment. Yeah. Um, but if, if I know how great I am and I can tell myself in the mirror, just, man, I'm the best looking guy ever. And people love me and people love working with me and all this stuff. Then I can go to you and be like, man, Darius, you're the best person ever. You people should all be listening to your podcast. You should be a millionaire, right? Because I believe that about myself. And it's really easy for me to believe that about you. Um, but if I didn't believe that about myself, if I had no, no level of self-belief or ego, then I, I wouldn't be able to believe that about you either. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Interesting. I like your take on it. I think it's it. healthy. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's healthy to a point, but um, you have to keep it in check, right? And that's why they say keep your ego in check. It's not like it's a bad thing. Being confident is a really great thing. Um, it's just making sure you're not overbearing and and putting others down because of your confidence you know it's crazy that you say that because um a lot of anybody that knew me in high school um everybody would call me extremely cocky but my defense in it all was always that they didn't understand what confidence looked like because everything that i faced the only reason i came across is at least in my opinion this could be subjective but the only reason I, <laughs> that I came across as cocky was because I only indulged myself, like you said earlier, in things that were aligned for you, right? Like I'd only make bets where I'd win. I wouldn't bet on something that I wasn't sure about. I wouldn't talk about myself in a way that I didn't believe about myself. You know what I mean? I wouldn't put myself um, in a in, on a pedestal for certain things if I didn't believe in that thing because I know what I'm capable of. You know what I mean? So – Right. A lot of the time in high school, people develop this. And I'm going to just 
you know, kind of call it out how I see it. It was a resentment towards me because of how confident I was with myself. But they yeah, described and- that as me being cocky because I was so sure, because I was so sure. But it wasn't like me being unhumble. You know what I mean? I understood. I didn't drive. I drove a, a 95 Honda Civic until my junior year. Then my junior year, I had a Toyota or a Hyundai Sonata a coupe or not a coupe, right. um, a, a four door. You know what I mean? I dressed how I uh-huh. like to dress because I figured out how to not dress like everyone else. So, of course, everything about me was 100% different. But it all stemmed from me being able to witness like or actually um, not being able to witness, but being able to pinpoint the value that I see in myself. Right. Yeah. And in my uh, so I also wrote an ebook, Fueling Your Legacy, The Nine Pillars uh, to, to Build a Meaningful Legacy. Mm-hmm. And and you can get access to that on my website as well, samnickerbrocker.com. But or, or just if you go to like any Instagram or Facebook and direct message me, I'll send you a copy. Cool. But the first the first section of that ebook um, really talks about why, well, the whole book is really why it's important to become financially successful, wildly successful. And the first topic is you have to do it for your haters. And most people will will hear that when they initially hear that and they think, oh, I've got to do it for my haters. Um, to, to prove them wrong, right? And that's where I think the ego or the, the I'm better than you comes in. Yeah. And, and I think you got to do it for your haters because the reason that they're hating on you is because they don't believe in themselves enough. They don't believe that they could do it. And so they got to pull you down with them. Mm-hmm. And so out of a, from, from a position of love, it's your moral responsibility to go be as wildly financially successful as you can be so that they can believe in themselves and go follow their dreams. And it's absolutely essential for you to become successful so that the people around you, especially your haters, can believe in themselves. Because if you don't do it, who's going to help them believe in themselves? Absolutely. Now, on that same note, where do you draw the line as a personal coach, right? Someone that helps a lot of people. Where do you draw the, where do you make the time for yourself? Because I think that a lot of my biggest problem, whenever I was like, 20 like last year 19 20 years old um it was probably around when i was 19 i started doing motivational speaking right i started doing all these things Mm -hmm. on instagram where i'd make videos i tell my friends i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna talk about just point this camera at me and i'll start talking and something will come out eventually and that's where my content came from right i didn't plan anything out i didn't write it out because i didn't want it to be fake i wanted people to feel what i'm feeling right now and that's kind of why I started this podcast. You know what I mean? Because I, in real time, I can just say what I really mean. It's not scripted. It's not edited. You know what I mean? It's raw. And that's why I right. don't uh-huh. edit any of this. Anyways, I felt like I was trying so hard to help everybody else. Like people would come up with, to me with these problems. They'd send me these DMs. They'd be like, hey, I remember you made this post about this. And it just really hit me home. And I've been doing this ever since. You know what I mean? And it, it kind of started getting to my head. I'm like, oh, well, these people are like that. How many people haven't reached out? So I tried making all this content, try making all these motivational quotes. And I feel like it just developed this really cliche aspect around it. And I started to ignore myself. I started to stop looking at the things about that I could improve on myself. I started to stop looking at what could I do better next time. And I started focusing on my audience that I didn't need. Even and there's a possibility this whole time it didn't exist. That's the problem. Yeah, but so, so I, would, I would say it goes, it, that's when you start getting that the hot air in your head, right? Yeah. Because you start thinking that people like a certain thing. The reality is they like you being you. And if you start trying to be another persona, then you're no longer being you. And you, whatever audience you had, it's probably gone because um, you stopped being you and now you're 
you end up having to rebuild your audience. And this happened to me. Uh, it has happened to me this last time. Uh, I am learning things about myself. And so over, over the end of January, I had the opportunity to, to go on quite a few public speaking um, assignments and, and get quite a few gigs. Uh, really awesome gigs down in California with some A-list celebrities. But what, what ultimately happened um, is I value my relationship more than I do uh, public speaking or money or anything. And so I called my wife and I said, hey, look, th this is this is an offer. This is what could happen. Um, this is all of the things we have going on in the first quarter of this year. Um, basically, every weekend is, is booked with something. There's three weekends that aren't. And for me to go speak, um, one of these weekends would be taken up. And I'd have to travel. I'd be away for three or four days. Um, and so I, I wouldn't even be able to be, come back and, and be with the family. Uh, and ultimately, even though that would have been an awesome opportunity and it would have been great, and I could have helped people, I'm sure. Like, I have, I have, I'm confident in my message. I know that I could bless people's lives doing that. Um, I, I honestly, like, <laughs> quite frankly, I don't care. Um, what's most important to me is my wife. And so, yeah, you're right. You do have to take time for yourself and really be clear about your identity and just live your identity. And there's a lot of people, Lewis Howes, Rachel Hollis, Edna Lett, these people, they say don't even look at the comments. Yeah, of right? course. No, I've adopted uh, that now. I mean, I spend a lot of my time, you know, whenever I, I want to say back in like December or November, I, I deleted my Instagram. I just, I always hated it. I hated what it looked like. I hated the audience that I was doing. I had, I tried so hard to build this audience. So like what it kind of stemmed down to is a buddy of mine in Houston put me on Telegram and he was like, look, here's about 50 groups. These groups are full of like verified accounts. All you have to do is post your link in there and then like go comment and like other people's pictures and put that you did it and then they do it too. And this will increase your engagements ever. Instagram blows up, blah, blah, blah. My mind was focused on marketing at that point. So I saw it as a good point of view you know what i mean i saw it as like okay well this is from a marketing aspect this is an amazing thing to do it's free all you have to do is like and comment on a few pictures maybe take 30 minutes out of your day hit 20 accounts and guess what now everybody in that group for the next you know 50 groups or whatever you have like thousands of engagements and over time right. i was just like why am i doing this why all because i want other people to see that i got this many likes all because i want other people to see that i got this many comments on a picture, this many views on a video. And I kind of sat back and dialed myself back to zero. And I basically, I pushed myself to rock bottom. I told them, I'm not anything. I'm not important. Not to, you know, degrade myself, but to kind of get myself out of that, like, obsessive mindset over Instagram. You know what I mean? And, yeah, to ground yourself. Yeah. Reground yeah. yourself. So after that now i post everything like as true as possible of course i keep my content but now i do a lot more of like i don't even care what happens you know what i mean i'll use the little hashtag strategy um just to see if other people like for the podcast for instance see if they'll reach out to me or if like a therapist or something like that will like my video i'm like hey i saw you like my video would you want to jump on the podcast things like that right. and so now i feel like it's become a little bit more honest with my thing like account or whatever my brand Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that like, I'm just not obsessed with it anymore. Like as much as I used to be, like, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't blow up, if my account stays wherever it's at and the same 10 people support me, then you know what? I think that's cool. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, at it least you know who your real supporters anymore. are. Yeah. But it doesn't stress me out anymore. It used to, it used to really stress me out. And I don't know why, but, um, yeah, no, dude, it was just, it was just crazy. It was interesting. So 
we're hitting an hour and almost a half, I guess. Um, do you have any last messages, last experiences or knowledge that you'd like to share with the listeners? Any pieces of advice um, real quick? It doesn't even have to be real quick. It's if you want to just go yeah. on a tangent. Yeah, no. Do you think? No, sure. Uh, I would say that the biggest piece of advice that I can have to others is honestly to learn to love yourself um, all of yourself, all the good, all of the bad, and get comfortable with that. Be number one. Number two, learn to be absolutely grateful. So I, I, my best way to explain gratitude is in, the, in a religious conversation. I'm deeply religious, and I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, uh, and I love, love him for that. But um, I, I believe that the whole purpose of me coming to this planet was for me to ultimately become the greatest uh, person that I can be and to learn how to create, right? That, that's, that's what I believe yeah, about good. my existence here. And, and so that's as a result of that, because a lot of people, yeah. I know even up to, like I said, I work at a bank. I talk to people every day. I've met some really elderly gentlemen that still like, oh, well, when you get life figured out, let me know type of thing. Yeah. So anyways, go on. Yeah, no, for me, I, I'm here to create. And, and at every and to learn creation, I have to learn the, the, the natural laws around that. And that's what I believe this whole experiment of an earth and planet are, is for us as individuals to learn the laws of natural creation. And, and as a result of that, we made a commitment. We'd come down here and we would we'd basically get put into this science experiment, we'll say, um, <laughs> god's planet right god created this earth for us so we come down and we could learn to become like him or whatever that whatever that means right i think like him means so we can learn to create right which means in my mind i willingly said yes i'm going to go down there and every experience i have is going to help me draw closer to learning to create and what that does it puts all of the power to act in me and i'm no longer concerned about how others are acting let's say something bad happened let's say um there's an action that happens towards me, abuse, violence, um, neglect, whatever. So now this happens, right? This happened to me in my childhood. My, my mother, um, I love her a ton and we've healed from this. But um, when we were growing up, there was a lot of physical abuse, a lot of mental abuse and a lot of um, emotional abuse um, and a lot of neglect from my father that kind of struck. I mean, it kind of was hard. Now we've, we've healed from all that, but um what, what I found was all of those experiences, they were literally for me so that I could learn how to intentionally create my reality. And so if, if, if I look at all of this, every bad thing and every good thing as a gift from that individual to me so that I could become a better person, then all I can do is be grateful for everything in my life. Like 100% of everything in my life, as bad as it is, I can be grateful for it. It doesn't mean it's not painful. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean I don't, I, that I wish it, like I'm, I'm glad it happened and I think everybody should have these terrible experiences. No, that's not what I'm saying. But whatever experiences you have been given and gifted, I would say learn to be grateful for them and use those experiences to learn to create a better life for yourself in the future. And if you're approaching life like that, then there's really nothing that can that can get you down. There's no way that you can possibly be in pain or or hurt, mm -hmm. um, su sustained hurt. 
right? That's the true. depression goes away because you, like, yeah, that's, absolutely, you, in the purest form. That's, in my opinion, man, that's something that's very hard to achieve, though. You know what I mean? Especially if you've, if you're trying, like, for instance, in my position, I'm trying to transition into this point, or uh, let me rephrase that so I don't, I am transitioning into this point of being more aware of who I am, of being as, you know, full of gratitude as possible and appreciating everything for what it is and trying to make the best situation um, manifested. Now, coming from, you know, like you said, a scenario or a childhood of pain, that transition, that little moment right there where you're getting over that, you're getting out of that mindset and you're not, you're not thinking, okay, well, I'm like this because this, and now you're thinking, okay, well, I can change. I'm going to change. I'm, I'm going to start doing this. I feel like that that's a, such a very hard thing for people to kind of fully like chomp down on and lock their jaw onto full gratitude because there's always going to become a moment where you're like, oh, here it comes, the pain. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. I know it. Um, I, I, I live it every day. Look, my, my life is not all sunshine and rainbows. Of course. And, uh, anybody who tells you this, I freaking run from them because it's just not how life is. There's hard things to happen in life. Um, there's, I mean, we just had a baby four weeks ago and there's not much sleep right now going on in our house. <laughs> well, you're doing real well. Um, and, and it's hard. Like I, I cannot imagine being my wife, um, having to actually get up and feed the baby, but like even getting my sleep disrupted, I'm not going to lie. Like my moods, my energy, everything's been down. And I just like, I'm kind of in a daze half, half the time mm-hmm. and that's hard. But the, the question is, rather than wallowing in self-pity and thinking, oh, poor me, I can't believe I can't sleep or whatever, it's what am I going to learn from this? How am I going to choose to act um, in accordance with my identity and what I believe I'm here to do and, and just stay focused on how you're choosing to act rather than allowing yourself to react to outside situations? And uh, uh, to your point, it is very difficult. Well, I should say it's not difficult. It, it's something for it's a, it's a learning process, right? It's not something you just step into immediately. That's why coaches are so helpful is because they can walk you through the processes, the emotional processes, the healing processes to help you get to that point. And that's what I absolutely love doing. I do that um, in every area of your life. When I'm going down and I'm helping somebody with their money relationship, almost always their money relationship is tied to these other beliefs about themselves um, experiences in their childhood or in their past that they didn't feel worth it. And so although I'm working at it from a money angle, um, I'm addressing a lot of those things with my clients because it's absolutely essential for, for people to be able to step into pure love, gratitude, um, forgiveness, and, and just fulfillment. Yeah. They're like every area of your life. Emotional anchors, right? Or psychological anchors, I guess you call them. Uh Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, and go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, and to move forward, we have to address them because as bad as those cir- circumstances are, right? There's some really good things that came out of those. Yeah. Okay. I'll share one quick experience uh, from my childhood. Uh, I was I had learning difficulties, slow of learning. We were all homeschooled. My mom, the re- one of the reasons we were homeschooled, is my mom thought that the public schools were run by the devil. Okay, Ooh. like that was a belief that she had. Okay, and so she did not like public school. She didn't want anybody to go there. Well, I had learning difficulties, and so she chose to send all the. Well, first, before I get into all the the good things about it, um, this experience was we would go through these flashcards for my ABCs. We'd sit on her bed, and anytime I'd screw up, she would start yelling, start yelling, start yelling to the where she was like red in the face, screaming at me for screwing up. And then it got to a point where. Um, 
if I was corrupt, then we'd go into the bathroom and she'd, she'd whip me a few times and then we'd go back and try it again. And if I screwed up, then we'd go back into the bathroom, grab your ankles, bend over, and I'd get spanked a few more times, right? And this is how I learned my ABCs. Wow. And naturally, it, it was very traumatic for me. And essentially, for a long time in my life, I adopted the identity that I needed to be perfect and that I shouldn't do anything until I've studied it out well and that I was ready to act. And that was the experience that, of my childhood. And, and actually, a lot of my life, I carried that experience and that identity. Well, when I went back and was willing to, to view that experience from a, a position of gratitude mm -hmm. okay, and, and be objective about it, uh, my mom must have loved me an incredible amount to send the rest of her children to somewhere that she believed in all of her being was run by the devil. So that she could give one-on-one -on -one attention to me and help me learn my ABCs. That's a very right? good, think of the love perspective. Think of the love that my mom must have had, right? Mm -hmm. That she really wanted me to learn this. Think of what I was able to learn, right? No matter. See, she didn't just like beat me and send me away. She beat me and said, "Hey, let's. We're going to do this again. We're going to yeah. do this again, right?" She taught me to never stop trying, to always keep going, never give up, right? So, out of that experience, there's so many good things that I learned from that experience. Um, that are positive and now that's a very loving positive experience in my life uh, doesn't mean that it wasn't painful doesn't mean that it didn't hurt but i've been able to choose into an identity where that experience gives me power the problem is a lot of people they have these experiences and they eliminate them from their past they're like i don't want to deal with that at all well then they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. yes mm -hmm. there's all the ba bad experiences but they're missing all of those incredibly valuable lessons that they could learn if they were willing to go look at every situation and every angle of it, not just the victim mentality of it. Mm. So, so walking people through those types of, of situations, say, okay, well, what? this is all the bad things. Well, what are the good things that came from that? Who have you become because of that experience? When, when you start looking at all of the great things that have made you who you are, almost always it's the crappy experiences in your past. The problem is you're not giving those crappy experiences the positive energy and credit that they deserve. It's powerful. I um, I have a just another quick question. Okay. As far as like your beliefs, I always see people that are very humble with their beliefs and very out loud with their beliefs. They seem to be very very successful. Like as far as religion goes, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so my question is, do you? whenever you pray about, you know, where you're going in life or you want to be in life, how does, you know, not to interject with your conversations and you're in God's conversation. Those are your business right. alone. But um, like, how do you keep that, that in the back of your head, I guess, you know what I mean? The knowing like, okay, thank you God that I'm doing this. Thank you God for this opportunity. You know what I mean? But at the same time, keep a level head of like, I don't know, realistic thinking as far as like what you're capable of? Does well, I think, I think I, I, I can get where you're coming from. Okay? Yeah. Um, I, my, and the operative word in there is who defines what realistic is. Yes, of right? course. Um, for God, it was realistic to create a planet, create humans. Mm -hmm. cr I mean, for him, it was re realistic to create all this stuff. And if he's my teacher and he's my mentor, then why would it be unrealistic for me to do something similar? Mm. And so just because you're stuck in a realistic world that somebody else created for you, uh, like your family, your friends, 
your your social structure mm -hmm. if that's your reality and that's fine that's your choice to live in that reality because i don't live in that reality anymore then um i won't say it makes sense i can i can see where you're coming from because i've been in that point of view mm -hmm. but when i when i zoom out and look at the picture of where i operate on a daily basis now um it's not like I have to consciously be thinking about, oh, thank you for this experience. I just am grateful for every experience. Yeah. Like, it's not like I have to think, think about it. I just am grateful. Do you think that has to do with how strong your gratitude is? Did you catch that? Yeah, I'm just, sorry, I was, I'm just thinking. I don't know. It, it could. I, I think it does to, to a level. Obviously, it goes down to like what I believe about my, my purpose, where mm -hmm. I came from, where, what my purpose here is, and where I'm going. And so, yeah, it probably does have a huge impact on why I'm grateful for everything. Um, and, and I just live in gratitude. And if I'm wrong at the end of the day, if I die and everything I believed was, was a lie, dude, I'm going to be one of the happiest dead people you'll ever meet. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's something that a lot of, I think, you know, too many people want to interject on whether or not, oh, well, it's wrong to believe in that. It's like, says who? You know what I mean? We all live in this own life and what you're going to make whatever you want of your life. And I'm going to do whatever I want in my life. So in the end, it shouldn't really matter you know, what I believe, because, you know, it doesn't, your life, your beliefs, you know what I mean? Like the fact that, you know, are you Christian? I am. Okay. Yeah. So like the, we're, we're Christian men. And at the end of the day, whatever we believe isn't going to affect someone else's life rather, unless they let it, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, like I said, anyways, back to square one, I'm really, congratulations, first of all, on like being so out loud about everything, because I like, I like men that are like that, or even men and women, people that are not afraid, like it's, it shows that your faith is 100% strong. And that's not even just in your religion. But as far as like yourself, you believe in yourself enough to be able to say, hey, I believe in this, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Yep. So I guess I mean, if there's anything else you want to share, jump on it. If you want to just go ahead and share your um, where people can find you your website, your social media, your Facebook pages, podcasts anything like that um just go ahead and throw it up yeah absolutely thank you um so the the best place to reach out to me is probably on facebook or instagram sam knickerbocker on instagram and sam or samuel knickerbocker on facebook i have a podcast called fuel your fuel like gasoline fuel your legacy and that i do three times a week i i have a, each top each week is a new topic so monday i introduce the topic wednesday i do a media review whether it's a book song or movie that supports that topic and what i've learned and how it's changed my life and then on friday i have guests on that can shed some light on that topic and help gain some get, greater understanding and how that can be applicable the whole podcast is really focused on giving you millionaire habits, mindsets, and behaviors to help you go build a meaningful legacy in your own life. There's tons of value you get there. Even if that's the only place you ever experience me, you're going to get tons and tons of value, just free content that I'm putting out constantly. Um, on my website, uh, I'm working. It's in the works. I've recorded it two or three times. I've got to go through a few more times before I publish it. Um, my webinar that's going to be just focused on uh, that helping you believe that you're worthy enough to go and achieve and your legacy and give you some financial habits and strategies to make that happen. Um, and then obviously my ebook, uh, Feeling Your Legacy, The Nine Pillars to, be, uh, to Build a Meaningful Legacy, that's all focused on the reasons why you need to be financially successful. So if you're wondering, uh, why does Sam think it's important to be financially successful? Why can't I just stay the way I am? Just read the book. It's like 28 pages long. It's got some workbook sections there. Uh, it's, it's a very short read, but 
if it doesn't change your mind, then I don't know what will uh, about the, about the, the this the need for for you to to shine and and let yourself shine. Uh, it's it's not about me. It's about what are your gifts and how can we help those shine. So that's there. And then also I speak and I do some events. So if you are in Utah and you're listening to this and you're you'd love to come to one of my events, um, then. Follow me on Facebook, on my website. Whenever I have a new event, I'm going to be putting up on my website, and you can get in there. And then also you can um, opt in to get my, my free ebook and webinar from there. And then I also I have a free strategy session for anybody who would like to spend 20 or 30 minutes on there. You can go onto my website and schedule that as well. And once again, that is Samuel Knickerbocker or samnickerbocker.com? It's, it's Sam Knickerbocker. I'll spell my last name because some people uh, misspell it. So it's... Uh, S-A-M is my first name, and then K-N-I-C-K-E-R, B as in boy, O-C-K-E-R.com. Sam Knickerbocker. Sam, it has been an amazing time. This is probably the longest episode I've ever done with anybody, but I'm 100% grateful for it. This was super enlightening. I love it. We'll be in contact here soon um, to see how you can kind of bring value to my life because it sounds like you've got a pretty good head on your shoulders, and I love everything you stand for, man. Um, do you have any other questions for me? Nope, that's all. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've had a great time. Hopefully you did too. I absolutely did. All right. Thank you folks for listening. All right, man. Take it easy. Yep. No problem. Hopefully you've had an amazing time listening to this podcast. If you could do me a huge favor, I have a few questions to ask. One, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm forward slash melancholy condition there's a button on there that allows you to support just a dollar a month to help the future episodes of this uh, podcast progress secondly whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on do me a huge favor and just give it a rating if you wanted to give a five star great if you wanted to give it a one star even better if you want to just go ahead and tell me everything that i'm doing wrong or everything that i'm doing right i would absolutely love it just anything helps and second thirdly If you have anybody that you'd like to send this podcast to, anybody that you think this episode particularly or any other episodes they may benefit from, do that and just share it with them. Thank you so much.